Welcome to Get Paid for Your Pad, the definitive show on Airbnb hosting, featuring the best advice on how to maximize profits from your Airbnb listing, as well as real-life experiences from Airbnb hosts all over the world. Welcome. Get paid for your pad. 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 Before learning about Aviva IQ, I used to spend so much time managing my guest communications manually. Now, with Aviva IQ's easy-to-use automated service, my workload has reduced by 80%. Did I mention it's free? Automate your Airbnb messages now at www.avivaiq.com. Welcome to another episode of Get Paid for Your Path. This week, I am discussing this week's news with the one and only Nicole Williams. And she is, of course, the Vice President of Strategic Relationships of Hostly. Nicole, how are you? Hey, Jasper. I'm good. How are you? I'm great. I'm still in Thanks. Las Vegas. It's ah. very cloudy today, so I couldn't see the solar eclipse that happened about, I think it was about 10.15 PST today. Did you get a chance to see any of it? I tried. I did go outside and try. There was only a partial eclipse in Los Angeles where I am and probably where you are too. I think we're out of the path, but I had my NASA live feed going, so <laughs> I got to see it there. It was pretty amazing. Incredible, actually. Awesome. There's a few places in the US where you could see the eclipse really well. And some people were trying to make some extra profit because of that. I saw this article uh, in OregonLive.com. I guess in Oregon, there's a few places where the eclipse was visible. And some of the prices were you know, like tenfold of what they used to be. Some people were trying to charge like $1,500, $2,000 for a single night. Occupancy levels went up by like 30 times. So you know, it seems like some people are taking advantage of this natural event and probably yeah. making you know, more money than they would normally make in a month. Which is good for them. I mean, sometimes those rentals are in not very high demand areas. Like I saw that listings jumped in Casper, Wyoming and, and somewhere in Idaho. It's like that path that went across the United States. You know, it's not always the highest tourist traffic that you're going to get. So good for them taking advantage of it, I guess. Yeah. Some people got pretty creative. I saw some RVs that were up for rent as well, just for this occasion, I imagine. It's pretty smart. You know, you have an RV and, and you happen to live in a place where the solar eclipse is visible. Then you just put it somewhere and you rent it out for like a thousand bucks a night. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really smart. And some people were renting out patches of grass for like a hundred <laughs> bucks a night. You know, they no no tent, no outhouse, nothing, just a patch of grass. <laughs> wow. That's an expensive patch of grass. <laughs> well, I'm sure everybody heard about the terrible attack that happened in the city of Barcelona in Spain. Airbnb is asking hosts to offer free housing for people that have been affected by the attack. Um, you can sign up at airbnb.com slash disaster slash Barcelona. Uh, you can select whether you need a place to stay or you can offer your place for free. And, uh, you know, Airbnb is doing this for a few years now, since 2012. 
And, uh, you know, it's a way for Airbnb and for Airbnb hosts to kind of give back to the communities and really help out when people need it most. So definitely encourage everyone in Barcelona to see if you have a few extra days, maybe your, your calendar hasn't fully booked and you can uh, provide a home for those people who are affected. That would be pretty great. Yeah, I can imagine that there's going to be some empty rentals <laughs> uh, right now for them. But yeah, Airbnb is such a good role model in this aspect. I mean, in the article, it was saying more than 60 times in just five years or four and a half years, they've used this disaster response tool. I mean, that's like more than 10 times a year that they've been doing it. And it's just such a good example for in a world where we're always seeing a lot of negative to see this positive and hope that it rubs off on other businesses and corporations to reach out to the community and, and do the right thing as well as on an individual local level as well. And I think specifically in Barcelona, this is a good thing to do because, you know, Barcelona is probably the city that has been the most critical of Airbnb in the whole world, I'd say. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the regulations yeah. in Barcelona are very, very strict. They've got a very large team of inspectors that are going around trying to shut down Airbnbs. You know, hopefully this will also help to you know, improve the relationship between Airbnb and the city of Barcelona a bit. There, there's a, a platform that people probably have heard about. It's called Rumorama. It's been around for a while. It seemed like they were getting some good success. It, it was set up by uh, a couple of people from Singapore back in 2009. So it's been around for eight years. In 2012, they merged with the European-based Lofty.com. And it was boosting over 300,000 properties. But it didn't manage to make a good profit and it's actually shut down now. And this is only the second time I've seen a sort of one of the major players in the short-term rental space to shut down. There is um, another company from Singapore called Panda Bed. That one's probably not as well known. That shut down uh, a couple of years ago as well. But this one was really uh, one of the bigger names. And I was looking in the Facebook group bunch of people mentioned that they were actually listing on Rumorama, but then most people were saying that they never really got any bookings from it. So even though they had over 300,000 properties, the question is, you know, how many bookings did that actually lead to? It seems like probably not that many. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, maybe they just weren't, didn't have good operations. Apparently, if they're not, they have that many listings and, and they're not getting the bookings, there's something failing there. Yeah, and it just raises the question, like, how many of these other platforms are going to be around in, let's say, like, five years from now or something? You know, obviously, the network effects of these platforms are are huge. Once you have a lot of traction, like Airbnb and, and HomeAway and some of the other bigger ones, then it's very, very hard to compete with them. So the question is, uh, are we going to see more consolidation or are some of these other platforms like Nine Flats, for example, is another one or Windu, are we going to see those platforms go bankrupt as well or are they going to be uh, scooped up by one of the bigger players? It'll be interesting to see how that evolves in the, in the near future. Yeah, well, if they have a lot of inventory, it could be lucrative, just right people managing and getting the word out to to get the guests in. And I wonder if there was a lot of hosts who were just listing on Rumorama. I can't really imagine it because if you're a mm -hmm. host and you list on Rumorama, why wouldn't you list on Airbnb as well? 
It doesn't right. really, yeah. it doesn't really make a lot of sense to me unless there's markets where Rumorama actually has a significant you know, percentage of the market share. Uh, that could be the case. I've noticed that in different places, different platforms are popular. Now, Airbnb tends to be the most popular ones in most places, but you, you get to places sometimes where you know, HomeAway has more listings than Airbnb or there's a local player that has a lot of listings. So who knows? But in any case, no more Rumorama. Mm-hmm. No more. There's a uh, an interesting article that I found on a website called The Daily Beast. Interesting uh, name for a website as well. <laughs> uh, that talks about some of those really old castles and mansions in Britain and Ireland. I love this story. I think this is I read it from top to bottom. I love it. <laughs> uh, uh, okay, right. Well, I'll, I'll let you share it then. Oh, okay. It's just that these owners of these big estates and manors that they've inherited from hundreds of thousands of years ago are renting out these big castles and estates on Airbnb to pay for the taxes. One estate costs $120,000 a year, and not just in taxes, but to run it and to keep the grounds maintained and to keep the roof from leaking. I mean, somebody said, one of the owners said they have a six-acre roof they have to maintain. So they are resorting to Airbnb so that they can help offset the costs of keeping up these estates that they've inherited. It's all through royalty, basically. Some are enjoying it and some are not, but yeah, it's pretty funny. Some of their, uh, some sleep 16, 21 people for like a thousand up to $3,000 a night, maybe more. They've had Angelina Jolie. And then they said Larry Hagman, who is kind of like a blast from the past from Dallas, has a lot of celebrities coming and staying, but it's just really interesting to, and now that I know that's available, I'm going to put it on my bucket list too. Right. And these places are pretty huge, right? And they, they're very old. Uh, a lot of them are 100 or 200, even 300 years old. And back in the day, of course, you didn't have all the, you know, the comfort and the amenities that a lot of travelers demand these days. I read that one of these places, it has a lot of rooms and it has like massive hallways. And in order to get from your room to the shower, you know, you have to walk quite a way. And yeah. then in the winter, because, you know, it's hard to heat a building like that. You know, they're obviously also not very well uh, isolated. And so, you know, I think a lot of these places have to actually maybe put in quite a bit of money to get it up to par with the demands of the current travelers. Right. Or one owner who had an ancient horsehair mattress. <laughs> and he's like, you have to have the full experience. The guests were like not into the horsehair mattress. <laughs> yeah. Ancient, ancient. <laughs> ancient, ancient horse. <laughs> <laughs> who knows how much dust was in there. <laughs> I, I actually have a friend who uh, started a uh, startup a while ago with a couple of friends. And their idea was to rent out some of these old castles that are in France and they thought the idea was great but uh, in the end it uh, ended up going bankrupt because of these very challenges you know it's it's just mm. hard it's just costs a lot of money to turn these things into you know livable sort of properties where where people have all the amenities and the comfort that they used to so we'll right. see i think that and might then, be, might also be ahead. the reason that some of these castles are listed at a pretty reasonable price right you mentioned a thousand dollars a night for mm-hmm. a place that sleeps 16 16 i mean right. that's if i calculate this correctly that's 67 dollars uh per night per person which is you know very affordable if you yeah, right. given the fact that you get to stay in a castle 
Yeah, it is. Um, the other thing that would make it costly too is, or maybe the reason that it would go bankrupt is the insurance. I'm sure a lot of these castles are not up to where safety and building codes are these days. So it's how do you get it insured and what do you, not just adding a bathroom to a bedroom, but how do you restructure so that it's safe so that an insurance company will actually insure for short-term gas? You don't know what they're doing in there. Yeah, that's true. The article actually mentions somebody who refrained from risking it on Airbnb. And he mentions that uh, the risk reward ratio wasn't right. They have open fires everywhere and it would only take a small mishap. Say some idiot puts the wrong kind of timber on the fire for the place to burn down. I'm not sure Airbnb's million dollar insurance policy would cover rebuilding an 18th century manor house. Mm-hmm. Which yeah. I'm uh, quoting that from the article. <laughs> so yeah. that's, that's another concern. Good point. Hosts, if you're anything like me, you have multiple standard messages you send to every guest. I used to copy paste those messages every time I had a new guest. But then I learned about Aviva IQ and I'm an absolute fan. I copied my repeatable messages into Aviva IQ and told it when I want each message to be delivered. Now, all my guests get personalized check-in messages and personalized check-out messages at the exact time I want them to, automatically. I also use Aviva IQ to send a message to guests when a vacancy exists after their scheduled checkout day and invite them to stay longer. It's amazing how it's turned into free money for me on multiple occasions already. So sign up for free at www.avivaiq.com. You'll be glad you did. Did you see any other uh, interesting news stories that we can discuss? Well, I thought it was interesting what we were talking about before this was that it doesn't seem that Airbnb is offering their free photography service anymore. Is that true? Yeah, so this is interesting. I was recently reminded of this or notified by one of the members of the Get Paid Free Pay at the Facebook group. I didn't know about this. Like Airbnb had always offered a free photography service to Airbnb hosts in selected areas. So it wasn't available everywhere. But you know, in a lot of places in the major markets, it was available. I've actually used it twice. Me um, too. Me too. I used I, it twice. I love the service. And I also, if you read about the history of Airbnb, now back in, I think it was 2008 or 2009, when Airbnb was struggling to get more users, uh, one of the things that they did, this was advice that was given to them by Y Combinator, the startup accelerator in, in San Francisco, I believe it's based, or maybe it's Los Angeles. You know, they told them to go to their hosts. And most of their hosts were in New York. So they they went to New York and literally... You know, went door to door to visit their Airbnb host. And that's how they found out that, you know, most of the pictures weren't very good. You know, most mm. of the Airbnb hosts just didn't know how to take great pictures. So, you know, they started offering the photography service. In fact, the story goes that they actually took some pictures themselves first to just help the host to get more bookings. And that apparently was one of the turning points for the company. After they started providing this photography service, the pictures improved and that really uh, helped getting more users on the platform. And so I'm a little surprised that they now started charging for this. And also, I don't think they've announced it. Well, at least I didn't see it anywhere. And I also didn't see any, any press releases or any other blogs that commented on it. But now... 
it seems like it's not free anymore. There's a get a quote button. If you go to airbnb.com slash professional underscore photography, you'll see that it says that the cost depends on how big the place is and where you're located. And so it's kind of surprising. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah. I thought as soon as you listed, you could just schedule a booking, but it's weird also because I did a Google news search to see where they announce this and it's, there's nothing. It's like, we just changed our policy. We're not telling anybody. We're just rolling this out. So at first I thought it was an extra service because it says make your listing stand out. So I, I was thinking that this is like something that you want to do after, you know, maybe you've been in business for a while and you want to get better pictures. Maybe you've changed things up in your listing. So you want to get better pictures because they will only come once. Like our pictures are five years old. And of course, a lot of the furniture is different in the house. But maybe this is from scratch. Like once you start a listing, you have to start paying for the service or you have to pay. It's a one-off. It's a one-off service. Yeah, I guess the costs of providing this service might have uh, been too much for Airbnb specifically as they they might be moving towards an uh, an IPO and obviously they want to show some uh, strong profitability numbers in order to get more investors. Um, So that could be the reason. But I've noticed that in general, when Airbnb changes something, if it's something that people will be excited about, you know, they, they make a very big deal about it announcing it. But then if it's something that most people probably are going to like, in this case, uh, nobody will like it, mm-hmm. uh, then they kind of just sneak it in there and they don't really talk about it. <laughs> That's one way to do business, I guess. <laughs> right. Um, um, an interesting question that I received from somebody who's actually looking to do Airbnb, somebody who, who's not doing Airbnb right now. Uh, the name is Danish and he just uh, messaged me, he or she, I'm actually not sure. It's an interesting question because I think a lot of people will probably have had this thought before as well. If you're looking to do Airbnb, but you're not actually want to rent out your own apartment, you know, you could rent an apartment just for the purpose of putting it on Airbnb. I know a lot of people have thought about this idea and obviously there are some challenges uh, and some questions around, you know, how do you do this? How do you do it legally? How do you figure out, you know, how much you could be making and stuff? So there's a a bunch of questions in the email that I received and I thought it'd be helpful to sort of go over these questions. So the first question is really like, you know, if you're looking at a place to rent, you know how much the rent will be and then you want to know how much can I make? Because obviously, if you're not making significantly more than your rent, then there's no point. So, you know, this person is uh, located in Toronto. And if you just look at the prices of the other hosts that are currently hosting, the first question is, are those prices actually reliable? Are those prices actually the prices that people pay to stay there or are these just the advertised prices? And I think the answer is that in most cases, I think those are the prices that the accommodations will get booked at because from my experience, hosts generally don't like to provide discounts. And also a lot of these places are instantly booked. So, you know, you can book them without actually having to message the host. So I think those prices are definitely reliable. The question is more about the occupancy and there's ways to find out what the occupancy is because you can look in people's calendars and see you know, which of the days are booked. So you just look at the next couple of months. Another thing that's useful to know is that uh, on average, Airbnbs tend to get booked. About a third of the bookings will come in the three months leading up to the booking date and about 50% will come in the last month. 
So that kind of gives you an idea of how to estimate, you know, the potential occupancy that you could reach. Uh, of course, there's also uh, a very useful tool called uh, AirDNA. A uh, little shout out to Scott Shetford, uh, who's the owner, a good friend of mine. Now, AirDNA provides lots of insights. You can actually see how much people are making on Airbnb. So that's a very useful tool. So that's the first question. And the second question is around the seasonality. Can you charge more for weekends versus weeks? And, you know, what about the winter months? For example, Toronto, I, I imagine it's pretty seasonal. You know, in the winter, it's about minus 500 degrees. So you probably have to stay inside or buy like uh, six jackets and, you know, <laughs> put on like uh, one of those uh, wool Russian, Russian hats on. Like I've lived in Chicago, so I know what a cold winter is, looks like. <laughs> but I, I would definitely think that in the winter, you see the occupancy drop a lot. I think weekends versus weekdays, that really depends on whether you're uh, targeting tourists or, uh, or business travelers. Well, they have the film festival in Toronto, so you could, you know, maybe put the rates up around the film festival. Just see when the events are going on in your area, wherever you are, and you could raise the price then. Yeah, absolutely. There's, a, there's always the peak dates, the peak periods. That's definitely a good point. But, uh, you know, one other thing I want to mention is that I actually do know some people are running out in Toronto. And I've heard that during the winter months, it's definitely a big drop in demand. What some people do is they rent out on Airbnb during the summer. And then during the, the late fall, the winter months and the early spring, they rent out their units to students. Because students, they generally aren't in town during the summer months. But then their college is, you know, kind of runs from uh, fall to spring. That's another option that you could consider. Mm -hmm. And then the last question is really around the legality. You know, a lot of buildings have a no Airbnb rule. A lot of buildings have restrictions on Airbnb hosting. Either it's the homeowners association or the, you know, condominium association or the management, whatever it is. Typically, it will state in your lease that you're not allowed to rent sublet under 30 days. And so, you know, there's two ways to do it. Uh, you can do it anyway, which I don't really want to recommend that because I think you're going to get caught pretty soon because people are very aware of Airbnb these days. You know, like four or five years ago, you could probably get away with it because most of the associations and, and the managers and landlords, they, they didn't even know what Airbnb was. But now it's such a hot topic. Everybody knows about it. I would imagine that, you know, you're probably not going to get away with it for a very long time. And then, you know, if you get caught, they might end your lease or, you know, maybe you'll get away with a warning, but then like you're kind of stuck with the lease, right? So there's definitely some financial risk if you're trying to start up a business like this. I would find a place where it's legal, where there's no restrictions, either get a landlord on board. It could be interesting for the landlord to have you rent out an Airbnb because you obviously you have to keep the unit clean. You have to maintain it very well. So you might even think of doing some profit sharing with the landlord as well. So if you can find somebody who's cool with it, then uh, I would say definitely go for it. You might also want to check out an episode, podcast episode that I did with Eric Muller, who's been running a business for many, many years. And he's been successfully renting, sort of subleasing um, rentals on, on Airbnb. It's episode 175. So if you're interested in this, uh, go ahead and check out that podcast. So I hope this answers the question. Did you have anything to add to that, uh, Nicole? Just that I agree with your first statement that the prices that they see are the prices. I feel like across the board, Airbnb hosts don't want to 
every time we've we've negotiated a price lower, which we don't do anymore, we haven't done for more than a year, maybe two years, it's always with a bad experience. So you want to find a guest who's willing to pay the price that you have advertised. So I would say it is a true price. And if you're leasing, then you should absolutely be up in front, front and center with the landlord. You're not probably going to get all the building rules unless you own the condo or the apartment anyway. So how would you know what rules you're breaking unless it's written in the lease? But then the homeowners association probably has their own set of rules. So if you're leasing, you definitely want to be on the same page with the landlord who would be more privy to all of those rules. Absolutely. All right, Nicole, thank you so much for joining and co-hosting this episode with me. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. It's always a pleasure and talk to each other again in a few weeks. And for all the listeners out there, thank you for listening. And of course, make sure to join the Airbnb News Facebook group where we share all the different news stories that come out each week about Airbnb. You know, we don't have time to mention all of them in this podcast. So if you want to stay updated, make sure you join. I'll see you in the group and thanks for listening. And until Monday. Get paid for your pet. 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 Get 